afternoon to everybody here. Um, thank you for uh, those of us that are those of you that are uh, listening in on the MedTech A Team Summit today, and we're now moving along. After we've done our filing, we've done our preparation. We're now looking to say go live preparations. Um, we're going to talk to an investor acquisition component. We're going to talk with the broker dealer and we're going to talk with the transfer agent um, on this particular channel, because again, we keep talking about teams and how all these intermediaries and partners are all interconnected. Um, so maybe jumping in here uh, for those of you that haven't met our, our, our panel here, I'm going to go around the table and ask them to introduce themselves and give us a little bit of background in the, and, and what they do uh, as far as going live and, and, preparations for that investor's journey and for the issuer's uh, platform to go live. So maybe I'm going to jump in and, and speak to Amanda first, our uh, core transfer lead extraordinaire over at Core Connects. <laughs> Thank you, Peter. My name is Amanda Grange and uh, my role at Core Connects is transfer agent. Um, and thank you for having me uh, join this panel today. I'm looking forward to uh, sharing with uh, everybody. And um, it's a great opportunity to, to just kind of put a little bit of a spotlight on a transfer agent um, and uh, what the cap table entails for companies. And so I'm looking forward to um, getting into that and uh, discussing that a little bit more. Um, because like the first, the session just before said, preparation is key. And I think that's going to transfer into uh, our discussion here as well this afternoon. So thank you, Peter. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, it sounds like there's a lot of dots that are always continually being connected <laughs> uh, on arrays. So, so Sherry, um, maybe you can give it a bit of background, you know, on, on Rialto. I, we've got some new, new attendees stepping in here, so I don't want to be remiss on uh, doing those introductions. Absolutely. Hi, welcome everyone, and thanks for having me. My name's Sherry Noonan. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Rialto Markets. Rialto is a FINRA member broker-dealer. We're registered in all 50 states. We also operate an alternative trading system, which is a, um, a platform to transact in the secondary market across all private markets. So the way that we work in as it relates to a Regulation A-plus offering um, specifically in, in this panel for this, for this conversation is once you filed and have been qualified by um, the SEC, um, we're really working, um, one, from a marketing perspective, we're reviewing all of those marketing um, materials, making sure that there's nothing from a securities regulation perspective that would give anyone pause. Um, so we're reviewing all of those. And then two, um, as investors come in, we are um, reviewing, doing all of the AML and our money laundering and know your customer um, checks and then managing the, um, the, the funds um, reconciliation with the escrow um, agent. So um, uh, Great. The, on the tri-party account for the escrow um, so, as well. So we're going to touch on all of those different pieces and <laughs> I'm going to jump, I'm going to jump over to, to John Hayes. John, you can, maybe touch on how you guys have to get connected with the broker dealers too, because if they're, if they're reviewing the work that you put together and then the, the, the investor has a sales journey, but maybe just first a quick introduction uh, of yourself. Absolutely. Thank you, Peter. Uh, my name is John Hayes. I am the co-founder and president of Raising Stakes Media. I have been in the internet advertising industry, uh, marketing specifically to investors for 15 years. And, uh, yeah, uh, when it comes to invest, acquiring investors is my game, you know, and uh, 
you know, we put together a marketing plan specifically for driving traffic to your landing page and um, getting leads and then putting them into a funnel and uh, keeping the leads fresh and doing all sorts of stuff and pushing people to broker dealers. So uh, that's I hope that was a fast introduction. I can extend it out if you'd like. Yeah, no, that's a great that's a great <laughs> great segue because it gives me all the questions that we need to start diving in a little bit deeper into. So I'm going to circle back to Amanda. So um, when it comes to the transfer agent side of it, um, you're right. A lot of people don't know. A lot of people think a transfer agent historically to say, hey, I've got a transfer agent. And I go, what do you mean? What's your transfer agent? And they go, I've got a filing cabinet with an Excel spreadsheet in it. That's my transfer. <laughs> and they're a registered entity. So, so a transfer agent can mean a lot of different things. So I'm going to I'm going to ask you, maybe explain that and why it's important early on uh, to understand what the existing cap table is, because when somebody goes live, all these things start to get to connected again. And those existing shareholders want to be part of this process as well. So maybe Amanda, you can give an overview on that. Yes. Um, thanks, Peter. The, as a transfer agent, one of the most uh, critical things is that uh, your cap table, which is basically just a list of all of your securities and, and all the information that um, transactions that are happening in your company and they need to be accurate, which we heard before in order to go live, um, you have to be prepared because an audit can stop you. And if you don't have a, a good transfer agent that is really helping you keep accurate um, records, uh, you may never go live because it could it really will slow down the process. And there are so many things involved with, with a cap table. It, it's not just how many shareholders do you have, it's how many shares do you have, it's how many investors do you have. Um, it's, it's um, are you staying within the requirements of um, what you're allowed to raise? There are just, I could go on and on of different things. And uh, you're, it's, it's right from the beginning of your company, right from the start. It's um, from the day that company uh, began and to, until um, the present day, and so there is so much information that needs to be needs to be accurate and uh, and at your fingertips. So a, a good transfer agent will make sure that um, those questions you're looking for to go live, they can give them to you. Um, very quickly, hopefully within the same day, if you have a question, so long as you're working together with your transfer agent on a regular basis, on a, sometimes even a daily basis when you're trying to go live. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I guess the biggest thing is accurate records, I would say. So, so one of the misnomers, I have, an, I have a note here, one of the misnomers that people had mentioned, talked to me and they asked the question and say, hey, how many shareholders can you have in a private company under a Reg A plus offering? Anybody want to jump in on that one or just say, how many shareholders can I have? Sherry, how many shareholders can I actually have in a, in a reggae offering? I thought, I thought Amanda, I thought that was a perfect one for Amanda. I thought, I did, I did, I thought <laughs> Amanda, Amanda, that was going to give you the opportunity to say, we have a million shareholders on individual exactly. privately held companies. And I think that's so, yay. so, yeah, I mean, I think it is a misnomer. I mean, Amanda, you go and then I, I can pop it. No, go ahead, go, go ahead, Sherry. <laughs> So I think there is a misnomer because a lot of people will come to us and say, well, we're capped with, you know, the 2000 shareholders or we're capped with this or that. But with the with um, the reggae offering, really, you know, what what it opens up is it is. Um, and I, I, I don't want to say anything without a lawyer on the phone um, as it comes to security. <laughs> um, but in general, 
as a layman, um, as not a lawyer, um, what I, you know, basically what it allows is it allows for non-accredited investors to invest in a private company and you're not held to that 2000 um, investor limit um, for registration. Um, so that's that's really the the overarching um, theme. And, and the, the, the reason why a transfer agent is so critical is because if you can imagine, now all of a sudden you've got, you know, 5,000, 10,000, 15,000 shareholders. Obviously, that's a lot of pieces of paper in, you know, a, a shoebox to try and keep track of or a lot of lines in an Excel spreadsheet um, to, to keep track of. So you really need to get a much more systematic um, and much more robust uh, infrastructure in place as you as you move to a, a Regulation A plus um, offering. Um, and, and ideally, what you need to do is do that prior to a Regulation A plus so that as you launch your Regulation A plus, it's everything's nice and clean. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And maybe to, to, to give uh, some segue to, to Amanda again, and then we're going to jump over on how this all connects the dots again. But um, yeah, we have tens upon tens of thousands, 50,000, 100,000, up to it. There's a private company with a million shareholders on the cap table. And people are amazed when they hear that. And, and they ask the question, well, why do you want a million shareholders? I go, well, if I was a public company, why would I not want a million shareholders? The challenge historically was technology wasn't available for the private capital market to manage these shareholders. It is today. A little bit of a plug for Core Connects because that's what we do. We manage millions of shareholders on the cap table so that a small firm can run their business. They can manage large volumes of shareholders who become your brand advocates, your ambassadors of your company, your potential invest investors of the future. And when I say potential investors of the future, that's kind of where it gets into the IA firm side, side of the equation, because I'm not just getting my investor today. There's a big marketing spend that goes out there. And don't think of it as a one-time event. The marketing spend, again, becomes a brand advocate, your evangelist for the future. But those shareholders, not only are telling their friends, family, neighbors, if they like what you're doing, and if the communication is being done well, but those shareholders get to reinvest again because this won't be your only raise. So the ability to not only manage those existing shareholders on your cap table, but that ability for those shareholders to actually reinvest on a platform, for example, that makes it really frictionless, seamless, and easy makes John's life a whole lot easier when, when he's working with companies to drive the traffic to the website. And I'm gonna jump over to John and say, okay, from the investor's journey perspective, um, where does that begin and uh, what's the planning? Because obviously you got to make sure that everything's compliant at the same time. So between you and Sherry, you got to go, hey, John, you put up the web page, but where's the offering memorandum or where's the circular? So there's checks and balances in here, right, guys? And maybe we can just touch on that. Absolutely. Sorry, I was on mute. Watch out when I, I sometimes when I'm mute, then I say the most profound, awesome things. <laughs> but, uh, um, just to uh, to. OK, so the 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 journey, uh, you know, when a company comes to me and they're seeking to get investors, you know, the first thing we do is we we look at their landing page and we look at the places that we're driving the traffic to. First, we, we have to make sure that they're compliant and we have to make sure that they are uh, they're telling the story in the way we want the story to be told. And uh, once we have that set, that's when we can then start driving the traffic. And that's what we are experts in at Raising Stakes. 
Um, you know, I have a hundred email lists. I have, um, you know, a thousand influencers. We have SMS push. Everything that every capability to get in front of investors is is what we use, and we build out this this singular message that we then push people to this landing page to sign up. So once you get that investor, once you get somebody to sign up, that's uh, that's step A. That's kind of the easy part. Now, how do you get those investors to come back and invest? Because you figure 90% of the people that come aren't going to invest right away. So what we do is we build out this funnel and it's a, uh, it's a 9 to 15 email series that we then hit these leads with. So we're managing the database for you. We're managing the database for the issuer. And what we do is we send these emails out in advertising 101. It takes six to eight touches to get someone to actually, you know, do something. And uh, by sending out these emails, by, by putting a 15 page research report in front of them, by putting videos of the CEO, by driving to a webinar where the CEO is going to talk about the company um, in, in a live or in an evergreen uh, setting. Uh, this is the consistent, consistent uh, sharing of information with the, the investor. So, so there must be a lot of guidelines and rules about how that's done too. Would that be fair? And maybe like, I get a chance to look at hundreds of offerings all the time because they go on the platform and then we have to do the invest button. So you're really, you get more and more uh, aware and cautious of things. Like when I see, like, what are some of the rules? Like maybe Sherry and or John, like, you know, when you've got, I've got a web page and I've got an invest button and these are your direct issuance on the company's website. What else do I need on that page? Or what can I, what should I not do at the same time? Maybe, Give me some ideas. We hear. Well, you should first run it by a compliance <laughs> professional. Is the first thing. I don't want to. I don't want to start spouting off rules because I will miss one. Um, but you know, I'm in general uh, avoiding. Uh, you know, you should avoid making statements saying you know that we're going to be making it. You know, uh, uh, forecasting statements um, saying that we're going to be making a certain amount. That you know, this is guaranteed that you're definitely gonna make money on your investment, clearly not a good thing. Um, but really um, in actuality, the best thing to do is, you know, run it by someone, uh, the, the compliance department and, and they'll be able to take a, a fulsome look at, at the, the language and, and advise you of anything that's sort of over the line. So, so, so fundamentally there's, there's a risk assessment with your messaging that goes on there. You've got to Absolutely. say, hey, I, I and, the repercussions are huge. So don't go in, and I'm going to cautionary tale. I, I would say to any issuer, oh, they're doing it over there. So it must be okay over here. Well, if I make it analogous to the Bitcoin and the ICO world, and we see what this, this happens, this is a highly regulated environment. You want to be on an investor's journey that that informs the investor of the risk. You want to be on the investor journey that also tells your compelling story in the most honest, factual way possible. And that's again, why you need teams and you need, you know, your, your IA firms and your broker dealers, they become part of those checks and balances to do that. All right. Um, and it, don't just look at, I get that all the time. They're doing it over there. And, and our founder, Oscar, on the number of calls I've been on with Oscar, he's sharing with firms and we do a lot of, just free consulting advice from the perspective of 
you can't be doing that. And they go, but they're doing that. I go, how soon do you want the SEC knocking on your door? Um, these are meant for protective scenarios for everybody involved. And it's such an amazing opportunity. So you don't want firms spoiling it for the rest of her, tarring the feather or having an investor community being somewhat, you know, jaded with what goes on. And so, yeah, messaging is super, super critical and super, super important. Anybody want to weigh in on that or John comments on that? Which, what are some of the things know, people can, can and can't do? It's, I mean, I, I agree wholeheartedly with, uh, with Sherry, you know, uh, you know, compliance and, and legal is, uh, is a huge, uh, part of building the messaging. Um, you know, the, the key is no, no egregious claims, you know, uh, no forward looking statements, you know, just keep to the facts. What are, what, what the company has done, what, uh, what, uh, they, their plans are. Um, but it doesn't have to, you know, state exactly, hey, we plan to be 10x by next year. That's ooh, no good. Uh, um, if you have numbers that, you know, show earnings to this and that and the other, you could, sh you could share that. Um, but uh, facts, stick to the facts, stick to the truth and uh, have a good legal team. Yeah. And the truth may look, there's a lot of pre-revenue companies out there. And, and when you're there, when capital planning valuations are being done and when, again, you heard earlier when you get, you know, Stephen and uh, Scott's team are doing these valuations, they're basing on an accurate information. Because if I'm a founder and I have a vision to be the next Tesla or something um, and I've got some intellectual property or I'm in the med tech space and I can be this billion dollar company, that's a factual visionary messaging. You just want to present it in, in the best manner without crossing some line here. Um, so that's, again, where the team is going to really help you out. Um, but, yeah, if you have that ability to, to be a visionary and tell a story, we all have to remember that the crowd never could participate before. And that's the beauty of all this. I mean, if I had the ability to invest $1,000 in some of these you know, hugely successful Googles of the world, Teslas of the world, you know, that's worth hundreds of thousands of dollars today, that $1,000. There's going to be private companies that have that opportunity in the future today. And that's not to say they're all going to be successful, but at least everybody can participate. And that's what's so exciting about it. I mean, and, and they all have different impacts. I have a, not to go off the rails here, but I have a young daughter and, and she happens to be in the biomedical engineering space and she gets she's at home right now and we're working out of the house and we're doing these video calls and she hears these compelling stories and she's going dad i'd invest in that and i go why because i like what they're doing and that's the future and that's the audience that we're all talking to here right now so it's a bigger story than just saying how much money am i going to make tomorrow it's to say these are legacy opportunities for individuals and families. And that honestly gives me a chill. And that's what's super, super exciting. Um, I know we're focused on this, this call of saying, okay, how do we be compliant? Well, the point is you're going to be compliant because you're going to put together a team that's going to help you be compliant. And if you want to not do that, well, maybe it's not the best vehicle to be raising capital. Um, and, and that's why, sorry to, Cut in there, Peter. But um, that's why a, a good TA is so critical because then the CEO can focus on um, his dreams, his goals, his vision for the company, 
and and the TA can worry about making sure that uh, your cath table is accurate. So um, they will work together with you to um, make sure that your story stays um, passionate, like you're just saying that your daughter's talking about, and then it will help you um, take your company where you want it to go instead of um, scrambling through a drawer, like we talked about, trying to find a ca your cap table, trying to find out if it's actually accurate and up to date um, so that you can uh, uh, be qualify for a raise. And uh, then if you have the, a good transfer agent, you will qualify much quicker, much, much quicker, and you can focus on the goals of your company, which is... And, and I guess as we're talking about a digital transfer, digital transfers and, exactly. and, and digital share certificates. I mean, we live in the, uh, you know, in the age of technology and, and the mm -hmm. idea of having an Excel spreadsheet with a list of investors. Hey, that's fine if you got 20 investors. Mm -hmm. um, um, but even those 20 investors, to me, 20 investors are just as important as, as 1,000 investors or 20,000 investors. And if you're starting a raise and you have 20 investors and, and you want them to reinvest, they're going to want to see their investment that they, um, their original investment, as, as well as see their new investment at the same time. So if you're, if you're using a, a transfer agent that, like you said, uses a, an online system, those investors are going to be able to see all of their investments at the same time, which just, I would say, motivates them to want to invest again or share with friends and family because it's just the information about the company is at their fingertips. And uh, so it's not just keeping the CEO motivated, but it's also keeping your investors motivated. Um, so... So, I mean, that's a, that's a perfect segue back to the, I guess, back to the marketing side of it, mm -hmm. um, keeping those existing investors motivated. So there are some stats that came across my desk that were, they absolutely blew my mind. And it was some companies were getting 50% reinvestment rates from, from existing shareholders. And if I'm a traditional company raising capital trip traditional ways, um, I don't think I get that on mass. So, but obviously a lot of work goes in for those things to happen and maybe they're not the norm, but, but maybe we can just touch on that a little bit. Like John, like when you get to things like reinvestment, if I'm doing a raise today and I'm, my valuation is X and I'm telling a story at X and the regulations allow us to have increased valuations, if you've done your legal properly and valuations properly. Um, so my stock might be $5 today and it might be $15 tomorrow. And if a company is articulating that on their website in a compliant manner, um, I'm a pretty excited shareholder. I hear I'm in a private company. I'm seeing my valuation going up because the company's hitting some milestones. Have you have any thoughts, experiences on that and, and how the landscape and the narrative is changing a little bit? Uh, you know, Absolutely. And what it comes down to is uh, data management. So you have all of this data. You have all these people that have invested in your company. And I know a lot of companies, a lot of CEOs who talk about their investors and they say, oh, well, we've got, you know, these three investors that we're going to go meet with and, and we're going to talk to and this and that. That's old school, man. That's no good. You know, now you have 15,000 investors and you have this great news, this great valuation, and it needs to be put in front of them. And you need to 
massage this data all the time, you know, with uh, with any news that comes out, whether it's good, bad or indifferent. Um, and you also have these people, these the, the phone numbers of these investors, you know, have a text message list, have an email list, have a have an old school direct mail list where you're consistently staying in contact with your investors. Because as, as you said, man, uh, if someone invested in your company once, they would probably invest in your company again, especially if you've got great news and they're going to make more money because that's what an investor wants to do. You know, they are looking to make more money. Uh, so managing the data is key. And that's what a lot of companies, they don't have the, the skill set for that, you know, uh, uh, a medical technology company, you know, they are great at, at solving the world's problems. Uh, but, you know, this data management thing, that's not that's the very low on their totem pole when it should be uh, a focus. No, I, I think that and that's well said. Again, everybody does their job well. And our jobs collectively are to help companies raise capital. Um, when it comes to things like, Cherry, can you maybe give I don't know if we can or can't, but give me some takeaways when you think about um, what's been done wrong when it comes to an issuance, for example, where unfortunately um, the company might be fine, for example. They might do something that their intentions were good. Um, do you have anything on that to share? I've got an example that came across my desk and I was just curious if you had any. Basically where you say, I, you got fined because you didn't do this properly. I mean, that's what we're talking about. Well, I mean, absolutely. We we see that um, quite often, and and I do think we're going to be seeing um, more of these, which is which is why I think it's important to have a, a team uh, around the issuer to to you know don't try and do this at home, kind of kind of message because um, it, it is really critical to to understand that this is a, a securities offering, right? And um, this is uh, it need, there are a lot of components to it, so you need to have a, a group of people. A group of firms and professionals around um, you to assist in in the in the offering. Some of the things that that we've seen um, are uh, you know making statements that that should not be made. Be made. Um, you know we we've seen um, uh, different offerings. Um, we've seen uh, we've seen a variety of, of different things. Um, I'd be curious to hear what, what you saw come across your desk. <laughs> oh, it, it, it happened to be somebody that was a company that was fined and it was a, a large reggae offering. And they, it just happened to be with the imagery that they used on, used on. They, they had a photograph that was there and it implied something They might've been in the right business. They could have get, put the right photograph up there, but that photograph might've implied that, oh, that's what, that's what I'm investing in. No, I'm, I'm investing in that category but that's not what I'm investing in. And things like that can be somewhat misleading because I said, hey, I'm investing in that yacht, that photograph that's up there. Well, no, I'm, inve I'm investing in a boating company, but I thought I was investing in that actual yacht. That, that might be construed, you know, what the SEC is to say, no, you're misleading the investors. The intent might've been there, that might've been okay, but at the end of the day, you need, you need some checks and balances to say, hey, that, that can confuse your investor. Um, so, so things as simple as that, and those fines are, can be pretty hefty, and the, and the repercussions can be really, really severe. Um, and you're, if, I, if I can just pop, pop 
pop in, it's not just the fines, but I think it's, you know, it's also, it hamstrings the company because if then they, they try and go out and do another raise, you know, during a particular period of time, it might affect follow on capital raises, right? That those, those fines that, that legacy mm -hmm. um, might follow you, um, which is, can, mm -hmm. can really start to weigh down the company. Oh, and, and, it, and it can be worse. I mean, we all know that it can even be worse if, if, if there's some bad actors in the organization and it wasn't disclosed and those things come up and they said, oh, we just didn't talk about that. Um, well, that's, that's part of your filing. That's where the lawyers are saying, hey, you need to be this information, you know, could get you in trouble or the omission of information can get you in trouble. And the broker dealer again you guys coming in and saying i don't know about this you know and it's doing that gut check and then getting legal to actually do a serious deeper dive on that so we focus a bit on the compliance side of it um, or a lot on the compliance side of it because it's absolutely critical and and you don't want handfuls of bad actors out there to kind of you know misrepresent the investor community so you know certainly at core connects and everybody in this ecosystem here we're just so darn adamant about just do it right you know, don't don't go into gray. We're all about pushing the envelope and looking at opportunities and helping our uh, issuers succeed. But at the end of it, just make sure you're doing it right. right. And, that, and there's yeah. lots of people that can help you do that. That's, that's why I'll just reiterate what Sherry said, that um, have professionals surrounding you. Um, because sometimes it's just an innocent mistake, but there's no room for innocent mistakes when you're trying to qualify or when you're in the middle of a race. So a lot of times it might be, I, I just didn't know I couldn't do that. And, and you like the picture. It's, it could be as simple as that. And uh, so if, if you have professionals around you and you're, and you're allowing them to uh, keep you on track, you won't make mistakes like that. And there are no room for mistakes like that. That's what I don't think a lot of people don't realize that. Um, and they've got themselves in trouble because of just um, not knowing. So. And, and that goes back to structuring the deals properly. You know, exactly. we heard yeah. people ask questions about LLCs and yeah, you can run all kinds of businesses different ways, but what are you doing with your LLC or what are you doing mm -hmm. with your corp or what are you doing with that, with your offering? Are you dealing with fractionalized shares? Are you selling pieces of something? Is that a security? Is it a token? Is it not a securities? Those are all the questions that we get every day. And what, what do we do internally when we get those questions? We go, okay, Reg D Resources, Doug, can we talk to your lawyers <laughs> on staff to ask you a question? Sherry, is this okay? You know, and, and, and that's that's where a team comes into play um, mm -hmm. when we look at those those types. And, and that's why it's important that as a transfer agent, I work closely with, um, uh, like Rialto, the broker, your broker dealer. It's important that we we are we're, when someone when a company is doing their raise, um, the the transfer agent and the broker dealer are working behind the scenes together through the whole the whole process and uh, helping you succeed. And uh, a lot of people don't even realize that either. So it's important that um, that even during the raise, that everybody is communicating together and, and working together. And, and I think whether it's the invest, you know, the investor acquisition firm, the broker dealer, the technology oh, platform okay. provider, the challenge Everybody. sometimes is the issuer. We have to we have to all train them properly or teach <laughs> them what we shouldn't be doing in relationship to them. It's really mm -hmm. easy from a sales perspective when I get a call from a CEO and as Amanda slaps my hands because transfer <laughs> agents is like Chinese wall over here. There's a, there's a dividing line, and they go, "Hey, can you?" 
Peter, can you can 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 Bill have access to? Here's an email. He needs access to the cap table. Well, there's a procedure that has to go on. Or hey, Court Connects, can you do something? We said, yeah, we can, but it has to come from the broker dealer. It's it has to go through a chain of command. That's to protect you, the issuer. It's not the fact that we could say yes and do it. It's to say no. There's a procedure involved, and all of the parties, from a compliance perspective, we have to follow it. Again, it's easy to do it, but if we're not compliant with it, it might it's insurance for that issuer down the road. Exactly. So, so that's why you need a team to communicate and and don't ever and I and I mentioned this to to issuers. Don't ever be concerned when somebody says go talk to them. We're not passing it off. We're tell we're saying go talk to them for your own benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that goes across with all of the different participants or the investor acquisition firms going, hey guys, we're doing this. Can you guys? I need to double check on this. Um, so so again, it comes back to that team approach on the compliance side. So exactly. Um, I'm looking for some questions here and. Looking forward. Can I do more than one raise at a time? Can I do more than one raise at a time? Um, a company can be doing a reg A offering and they can be doing a reg D offering simultaneously. If that's if that's the question, um, anybody experience that? Sherry, John. Yes, we've worked with issuers that have that have done. Reg D and, and Reg A offerings. So simultaneously, and they have a different purpose. So again, you're dealing with two regulations and you're dealing with compliance related issues specific to each one of them. Mm-hmm. What should an issuer? Oh, here's a question to John. What should an issuer budget to market a Reg A offering? Is there a flat amount plus a percentage of the offering? Great question from Carl. Yeah. Carl, that is a great question. Uh, thank you very much. So uh, everybody charges kind of differently. The only person that I can charge for is how we charge, and we charge on a per lead basis. So um, average deal is anywhere from you know a hundred to you know five hundred k, and what we guarantee our leads. So um, great. Yeah, we had a company come through with 250k. We got them 15,000 leads, and uh, it in turn raised uh, six million dollars top of funnel um, in 11 days. So, uh, doing it on a lead generation basis is uh, is as I said earlier, it's it's a tangible result. It's something that you can hold and have forever. These are uh, for fifth for 250,000 dollars. We acquired 15,000 names that they can email and text and um you know push into their communication moving forward and if they don't invest today they might invest tomorrow um so you know each budget is you know different and but you know it's uh it's 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 a conversation so it sounds like too and from our experience on the investor acquisition side of it a lot of it's really dependent upon where they're at in their journey too are you are you are you a startup are you a company that has a large fan base or a following base uh do you have brand advocates are you how far are you down your raise uh raises can go down from an inv- a cost perspective um if you've got a big following and brand advocates 
but from a from a startup standpoint yeah one of the things that we do at core connects is is we're agnostic when it comes to you know the, the specialists in the field we have great partners but agnostic in the sense to say we we're happy to provide introductions and the issuers can you have that conversation they need to know about your business they need to know about your offering they specialize on, those that specialize in the med tech arena, they're just really good at that. And they know the outreach, um, not being focused on the med tech space specifically myself, you know, we, we're, we do all of it. Um, but from commentary from the med tech space, I find really interesting is that ability to reach that, that stakeholder, that constituent, those that's the private investor that knows more about that physician's offering than any accredited investor will. It, I come back to a story that I love to tell. It's when one of the doctors I spoke at the LSS, LSI summit, I said, why are you doing a reggae? I said, Peter, I'm doing a reggae because the person that understands my business better than anybody else is my nurses. They understand in nuance. That's the audience that said, hey, Dr. Singh, can I invest in your company? And he had to say no. And they understood it. And he said, no, no, you're not accredited. So that's the beauty of a reggae offering. And that's what's super important from the marketing side of the team and the marketing folks is to go, wow, wait a minute. I've got this vertical niche that understands me better than anyone else, plus the rest of the world. And, and, and that, I think that's, would you, would you agree, John, that I mean, go, targeting and marketing and. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. hundred percent, you know. Um, so first, our copywriters are going to work with you to build your campaign. We're going to write and the whole messaging is going to be based around what what you think. Then once we have that messaging and we're experts in that, we're going to dial in and uh, we're going to target those those investors that are most likely to be involved in uh, that would want to be invested in, in this type of company. We we're hitting on compliance and one of the I, I, it just dawned on me that one of the key things about the regulations is the ability to incentivize investors on a Reg A plus offering. And I've just seen some amazing, creative, very, very creative uh, incentives that that issuers do incentives from investing a certain amount of a window of time. You're going to get extra extra shares. Because the issuer can establish the valuation, you can factor in all of that, which is going to affect your cap table, going to affect the share structure. But that ability to be creative, whether it's a time timing of uh, of the investment, you get more shares. The volume, the larger the shareholder gets, more shares. To even in the medical community recently, they were giving away scrubs. They happen to be in the business, and they said, "Here's boxes of scrubs because." They had a really cool back microbacterial scrub, uh, a piece of technology that was more beneficial from, from a viral perspective in the hospitals. And they were giving away scrubs. They're saying, hey, invest $200, $500, whatever their limit was. And there was a bonus because it was relatable, identifiable. They were your fan base, but they were also the investors in your company. So that's really cool about uh, a lot of companies I talk to go, you can't do that because they're used to a Reg D, for example, and what you can say and you can't do. And in the Reg A plus, you can get extremely creative. So it's not just democratizing capital to crowd, it's democratizing the ability to be creative to the crowd. And you think about it, that's what's been going on in the investment community forever. Hey, you invested early, Bob, you get to, I'm gonna give you a deal. 
hey, Peter, you invested more. I'm going to give you a deal. Hey, Sherry, I'm going to give you this if you for this. So so it's always existed. It's just technology allows you to give that marketing message out in a really, really creative and unique way. And I, I just find it amazing every time I see it. I see some of the things that are going on. And I know, Sherry, you see it all the time. You got, you know, we've got some code co-clients that they've just done a brilliant marketing job and they've got tens and 20 and 30 and 40,000 investors and they just keep coming back because they're telling their story so well and they're communicating. Um, John said about communicating even bad news. Um, one, of, one of the things we do is if you have a closed loop platform of sorts, you're communicating with those shareholders in a cost effective way. Um, and that means they're logging back into your website, looking at their shares. And if you've got private messages specific to those individual shareholders, that that all adds value to you. Um, so those are just kind of the, I think, I think important things that we try to share from an, an educational perspective too, uh, as a team when we're talking to the community. Um, I'm getting pinged here on a question. And it, is that question to say, Peter, you've talked long enough. You can <laughs> shut the panel down. <laughs> <laughs> Very passionate about this. Uh, here, does a reggae have a limited time of effectiveness X amount of months? What issues must be addressed to keep an offering effective? Fresh audit, updates, disclosures, etc. So a reggae offering, Sherry, can go for how long? So I would like to bring Doug and team back in for this because I, you know, I know that there are certain uh, audit requirements, certain information requirements that are required and, and other things, filings that are required. Um, so I would prefer the legal team to come yeah. and answer this question. Um, I can I can give an off the cuff answer, but I don't I want them to come back and answer all of the, the details around it. And, and I think that's fair. I, I always say I'm, I'm, I don't want to overstep my legal skis. I know exactly what I know. And it's in the general sense that framework. Yes. But in the you're afraid that the question might be nuanced. The question yep. might be, you, Peter, you told me this. And I go, no, I said 12 months is the general framework that you work with in a reggae plus offering. That's right. You can have rolling closes in a reggae. Your valuations can change in a reggae, but you have to do the proper legal filings to accommodate that. So the beauty of it is the flexibility is huge. So in general, it's like 12 months you can do your raise. But maybe there's something else that's compelling in there that alters that timeline. That I want, and I think that's, that's right. what Jerry's saying. But but I guess to give the audience broad strokes, and also protecting ourselves to say Peter said this. No, that was not the case. Broad strokes. You talk talk from illegal. You can market. You can advertise. You can have incentives on your reggae plus offering. You can raise up to seventy five million dollars. You've got a lot of different unique things that the legal folks and and Doug and his team can really really dial in. You know what your options and flexibility. So not to be evasive to the question, um, but yeah, it's generally a year long process. You want to do things, but that may be curtailed that you can have extensions based on legal filings. You, there's all kinds of things that can affect that. So it's not all black and white. It's really that discovery of each raise, each issuer, what's your current situation, what's your shares, all these things come into play. Um, but you, I, 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 those in the med tech community and those that are listening here, the beauty of it is there's teams that are going to help you plan all this. And I, I come back to Scott and to Steven. Look, they're going to map out this. They're, they're your quarterbacks in this, in this, 
right from the, the capital planning valuation to the raise, know that they have all of these other people around them and behind them to make your raise as successful as possible and at least be doing it compliantly and right. And uh, on that note, um, anybody else have any closing thoughts or comments? No, thank you very much for having me and um, look forward to the rest of the day. It's always a pleasure. Thank you all. Thank you, Peter. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.